Well, we got it wrong, guys. We got it wrong. Last year, this time, we had a series called Don't Miss It. The subtitle was How to Have the Best Year Ever. I'll just be the first to admit, admit it. We just, we just missed it, y'all. We completely missed it. We had no idea what was coming. And uh, so anyway, we thought this year we would, we would change it up and, and talk about what happened. <laughs> what happened? Come on, you know, last year, the end of last year uh, in, in 2019, you, you had all your, uh, your, your prophets and different people saying, man, the Lord is gonna do magnificent, magnificent things in 2020. And everybody's like, yeah, and we see breakthrough and we see, and um, <clears throat> if that's the kind of breakthrough we're talking about, I don't want any of it. Like I'm good, you know? Uh, come on, 2020 has kind of left us right with our, with our hair kind of blown back a little bit, you know, kind of like we've been riding on a motorcycle with no helmet for a few hours. And it's just like, whoosh, our eyes are all watery, you know, and like, like crusty, you know? Uh, and here we are, we, we go to 2021 with uh, some anticipation, but I don't know if you're like me, there's a little bit of hesitation. Like, I would be cool if we like doubled up the month of December last month and just kept the Christmas holidays going a little bit longer. You know what I'm talking about? Like, let's just run it back because it's sort of like a reprieve, you know? Um, A few weeks ago, uh, a couple weeks ago, I just, I I deleted social media off of my phone. And um, man, I just want to encourage all of you to do the same thing. It's amazing. First off, it's amazing how much time we just waste on our phones. But anyway, that's another subject. But um, the amount of exposure to drama and information, and, and I, I know all of you do the same thing. Whenever somebody posts something, you, you barely read the post, but you go to the comments, right? And you read the, you read the drama. And like that begins to infect us even worse. So we already have bad things going on, but now we're gonna read every Tom, Dick and Harry and all the things that they have to say, which is usually just poor information and, and dumb in itself. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and their, their opinions probably shouldn't be platformed. But here we are and we're, we have all this exposure and sometimes we need a reprieve. And, and I kind of feel like that's what December was for a lot of us. And so, so but, but, but we have to move forward. Right? You just can't stand, you know, you can't stay in holiday mode all the time. You got to get back to reality. And so that's what we're doing, getting back to reality. And, uh, and we want to not just like exist or like just, just kind of survive. We need to thrive, y'all. We need to thrive. We need to, we need to like, like encounter these challenges head on and continue to move forward in faith and in strength. And so, uh, so over the next two weeks, we're gonna talk about what happened. And uh, I'm really excited about these two messages. But before we get into them, I wanted to let you know about two quick things. Uh, number one is this, this coming Wednesday night, we are having our first, first Wednesday of the year. And uh, so many of you know, back in the day, we used to do first Wednesday services. And then for the last couple of years, we've been doing prayer and worship services where we um, pray and worship. And and so what we're gonna be doing is it's kind of going back to a little bit different uh, flow on these Wednesday nights where we're gonna worship and pray, of course, still, but but we're also gonna teach for a little bit. And then we're gonna have some time to depending on what's going on month to month, where we, uh, we might kind of hang out and have some snacks or whatever uh, in a very safe way. But um, every time you want to do anything nowadays, it's sort of like, we'll play it by ear, you know? But, uh, but eventually we'll for sure be like having an after party at First Wednesday service. And it's a time for us just to kind of get together and, uh, and hang out. Uh, this past year has been pretty tough when it comes to getting together and hanging out, am I right? Am I right? And so, uh, so we kind of want to create some, some, uh, an environment for that. But anyway, this coming Wednesday night, seven o'clock, I want to encourage you to be here. Uh, we will have childcare through the age of four. Am I right? Am I right? Okay. Okay. I just want to double check there through the age of four. And, and so you can come and, and drop your kids off and it will be a good time. Uh, but also the second thing is, um, yes. Okay. The second thing is this starting next week, We've had something that all of you have been anticipating, okay, especially parents with kids below the age of nine. You've been anticipating this for a long time. But next week, we are going to be opening up our kids' ministry through the age of nine years old. All right, so that's exciting. We're excited about that. So look, if your kid is between the age of five and nine, used to be five through eight, now it's five through nine. Uh, Next week, if you go to building two, to the check-in, many of you, it's kind of, you remember how to do that, although it's been 
10 months or I don't know, seven months, eight, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's been a long time. We, we, we still gotta, we gotta relearn how to do all this kind of stuff. But you check in your kids in building two. In case, you know, maybe you've never done it before. We've got a team of people who are gonna help you in the process, get you signed up, get you everything that you need to, uh, to get your kids safely checked into our kids ministry each week. But again, five through nine next Sunday morning here at the Gulfport location. So we're excited about that, ready to roll. And I do wanna say thank you to all, of, all the people who serve in our kids ministries and those who are stepping up in this time again to, to serve our families. Um, one thing that uh, uh, our, our, our kids ministries are not, uh, especially five through nine, it, they aren't just a babysitting time. All right, uh, we, we minister to these kids. We love on these kids. We, we share the gospel with these kids. And so uh, a little bit, in a little bit different way than maybe we do it in here, you know? Uh, so we're excited about it. Thank you volunteers for all that you do. And it's gonna be good. So are you ready to jump in? Ready to jump in. What happened? What happened? If you're watching online today, you, you, you're, sitting, you're sitting in your car, you're sitting in the house and, and, and maybe you just had like the news on. And I'm sure there's, since the time that we've been in this room, there's been other things that have happened. All right, <laughs> like every day you open up Facebook, you open up the news and uh, there's just more information. There's more things that are going on and it leaves us in this state of shock. I really think after this year, a lot of us, we've, we've sort of, We've adjusted like our body, our physiological makeup, our psychological makeup has kind of shifted a little bit to where we're always bracing for the next blow. I talked to a buddy yesterday who's been walking through some very, very uh, tough times in his life over the last three years, worst case scenario. And, um, and, and he's dealing with a lot of anxiety and different things. And I said, man, I said, bro, you know, you've spent the last three years worrying about other people's health and your own health is in a, in a state of shock. And I said, your body is just literally waiting for the next blow. I mean, it's been, it's been horrible the last three years. And, and, and his body is literally like adjusted to where nothing's going on, but yet he's still in fear that something's about to happen. And I think for a lot of us, it might not happen physically, but, but psychologically, we're in this state of we're braced for impact. And it's really not a place that we wanna live, but we're here because we face so many challenging situations and also just fear the future. Come on, I, I, you know, if we're, we're kind of like each other, you, you run through all these different scenarios of how things might play out. And it, it does, it creates these, uh, these feelings and it creates these thought processes. And uh, the thing though about 2020 is that 2020 didn't necessarily create a lot of issues as much as 2020 exposed a lot of issues. You know, the, the divorce rate, and uh, I know other countries for sure in America, I'm not really sure yet, but the divorce rate was skyrocketing. And, you know, if we're looking at marriages, it's not like 2020 caused a bunch of marriages to fall apart. They were already falling apart. Everybody just had ways to get out of it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like okay, we'll just, we'll just make it through whenever it's nighttime and we're at the house, but man, I can get out. I can go to work. I can go with my buddies, I can go whatever, I can get out and get away from this person that I don't wanna be around. And all of a sudden we're quarantined and stuck together or whatever in our homes and we can't get away. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, people are probably fighting about the dumbest things. I don't like the way that you make that ham sandwich, you know? Like it's, it's, it's mayo then mustard, not mustard then mayo, you know? Like whatever the case is. And those, those problems begin to be exposed and then marriages begin to fall apart. And you can take that and apply it to a lot of things. You know, financially, for a lot of people, 2020 was tough, but it was probably more tough because of the debt and the lack of savings that people have. And so they literally can't miss one paycheck without literally not knowing where their next meal is gonna come from, Right? 2020 didn't expose, I mean, didn't create that problem necessarily for some people, it exposed it for others. Now, obviously there's some who lost their jobs and there's a big spectrum to this conversation today, but at the same time, you guys get what I'm saying. When it pressure is applied to weak areas in our life, it exposes things rather than uh, creates those things. And so whenever everything hits the fan in our life, we, we wanna know what happened. And we also wanna know why it happened. I think that the question of why is probably the number one question we all ask. Why? Well, this, this, and this. Yeah, 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 but, but why? Like what, what is the origin of, like what created all of that? Like why? 
Because we, we want answers to things. And the problem is that sometimes even if we got the answer, it still wouldn't suffice. It still wouldn't be good enough. We still would have a follow-up question. Or we, we would just want the whole situation changed. But the reality is, is that it is what it is, right? It is what it is. I say that statement a lot because sometimes that's the only, <laughs> it's the only answer. It, it is what it is. What happened, happened. So where do we go from here? Well, the next two weeks, we wanna look at a story uh, in the Bible. I think it's one of the most intense, most powerful, most confronting books in the Bible. And it's the, it's the story of a man named Job. This man had every worst case scenario happen to him. Think of the worst case scenario in your life that could happen, maybe has happened. Job walked through it. And many times he walked through it to the max level. It wasn't just a little bit. It was like, it was way past anything we could imagine. And what we see in this book is we see it kind of paint the picture of what happens to Job. And then we see this conversation between him and his friends and they're trying to figure out what happened. And then at the end of the book, we see God respond. God step in and actually respond to these people. And, and so one thing I wanna encourage you to do is this. If, if you wonder about suffering and you have a lot of questions about why, why do things happen the way that they happen? I would encourage you to read the book of Job. The reason is this, is because everything, every angle that you would take in regards to asking why, Job and his friends ask. And they're very honest about it. They're very straightforward. And then at the end of the book, we see God come in and respond. And so I, I love the book of Job. I love the story of Job. I think that it, it, it would challenge us, but I think it will also encourage us over the next couple of weeks as we kind of look back but as we also look forward. So what happened to Job? Let's jump into chapter one, verse one. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job or Job, as many of you probably, right? Turn to the book of Job, Job. It doesn't really matter. And that man was blameless and upright. He was one who feared God and turned away from evil. So he's a good dude. He's a good guy, right? Good things should happen to good people, right? Verse two, there were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 female donkeys and very many servants. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. So Job is righteous. He's wealthy. He's blessed. Come on, y'all, Job, he's living his best life. You know what I'm talking about? Like he, he, he's living a good life. He's living it up and all things are, are, are good. Now, just so you know, as far as timeline goes on this book, this book was, was written, believe somewhere obviously after the flood, but before, Noah, or before Moses, somewhere in this time. And so there's no mentions of Levitical priesthoods or anything like that. So this is a long time ago. All right. By the way, the, the books of the Bible, the way that, that they're laid out, it's not chronological. So it wasn't like Job was written and, and then like, you know, and then like Psalms and Proverbs and then like on and on and on. Uh, it, the books are kind of out of order in regards to chronologically. So anyway, Job is righteous. He's wealthy. He's blessed. Things are good. Then something intriguing happens in verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, and some of you guys are like, wait, go back to verse six. What? That's what it says. Maybe some sort of counsel came to, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan was, uh, came, came with him. And the Lord said to Satan, for where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. To which right now we're sort of like, that's a random way of expressing what you've been doing. What happens if you ask your kid that, you know, after, where have you been? I've been walking to and fro, <laughs> up and down. It's, it's kind of weird, right? But uh, I, I think if we kind of ask the question, what does that mean? I think that the New Testament gives us a, a kind of a, a glimpse into what Satan was doing. If you look at 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be sober, be, minded, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So what is Satan doing? I think he's prowling around looking for someone to destroy, to mess up, to mess with, right? Verse eight, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? 
that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Now, for many of us, we're like, why would God bring up Job? <laughs> hey, you know what? If you're looking for somebody to destroy, Job would be a great guy. You know, that's, that's the way that we read that. However, the word consider in Hebrew is a compound word that means to like set your heart upon, okay? And so if we read it that way, it's, it's sort of like God saying, uh, oh, have you, have you set your heart? Have you, have you seen Job? Is that who you're kind of looking at? Is that, is that who you're picking out? You notice that he's, he's upright. You notice that he shuns the evil. You notice that he's an upright man. So Satan answered in, in sort of a way that says, well, well yeah, I kind of noticed. He says, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has? In case you wonder why sometimes people pray for a, a hedge of protection. Right? <laughs> I've heard a lot of people, we laugh about that. It's like, like the hedge of protection. Was it like bushes? I don't understand, you know? But, but God had put a, a hedge around him. And Satan says, have you not put a hedge around him in his, in his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands. His possessions have increased in the land. He said, but, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. Yeah, God, the only reason that he's, he's so fearful that he, he loves you and he's serving you and he's shunning evil is because you've actually done a lot of good things for him. You, you've actually protected him. But if you took that away, he would definitely curse you. Sort of a challenge. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So God sort of lowers the defenses, if you will, and says, okay, Satan, all right, you can have access to all the things that he has, to his possessions. You can have access to those things. Don't harm his body though. And so Satan goes out. And this is where we see the first wave against Job in verse 13 through 17. In these verses, Job loses all of his possessions. He loses his oxen. His camels were stolen. He loses all of his servants. And what it is, is a messenger runs up to Job and says, you know, basically these men came and stole this. They came and did this. They, they came and killed all your servants. You know, and it's, it's worst case scenario that left Job asking the question, what happened to my finances? What happened to all of the things that, that I have worked so hard to gather together and build? And I think for some of us, in this past year, maybe over the last few years, you've kind of been asking this question, what happened to my finances? And I'm not talking about just a bank account number, uh, a cash number. I'm talking about the things that, guys, the things that we invest our life into matter, right? It's not always just about a dollar bill. I don't think that whenever we talk about finances, we're necessarily talking about an, an amount of money I, because I think finances represent something much deeper to us. I think finances and having a, a lot of money or possessions for a lot of us, it represents security. It represents security. I don't care if I have $10,000 in my checking account, right? I, I don't care how much, like I care that my, I have a home for my family, <laughs> Right, like, like I wanna be able to provide a, a good life for my kids. I, I wanna be able to, to, to have money left over at the end of my life whenever I can't physically work anymore. We look at finances, finances represent security. That's why I think finances matter so much. And, and the thing about money is that we can fall in love with it and it can become our security as opposed to God. And that's where ever finances become an idol. And so what happens to Job is he loses all of the things that he's worked for. His, his security, but also his identity. Come on, he's the greatest man in the East. People knew him and he lost it all in like a day. Devastation. I mean, think about it. What, happened, what would happen to you if, if you lost, you know, all, all, all your oxen? All right. <laughs> Does anybody have an oxen in the, in the place today? Any ox? No oxes, okay. But anyway, he loses that. And, and I think we have to be careful about the way that we lean into our finances. And I think 2020 has kind of taught that to a lot of us is that, you know, whenever the dollar, the value of the dollar begins to deplete, it's like, it doesn't matter how much you have, it's not worth anything. We know in history, they used to bring wheelbarrows of 
money to try to buy food and, and the money was just worth nothing. Sometimes we, we, we equate certain value to a dollar sign, but what happens whenever that dollar doesn't go as far, right? And, and the, the, these questions all of a sudden have hit us where maybe it didn't hit. I heard, heard recently coming up soon, you know, the American economy is gonna be uh, lapsed by other countries. I don't know about you in my lifetime, I haven't experienced some of these conversations. It's like America, right? It's America. Well, what happens whenever this is shaken? Where do we turn, right? What happens whenever it doesn't matter how hard you work, it's still, there's, a, there's a hole in the bucket and it's running out the other side, right? In Job's life, he lost it all, but we have to be careful not to fall into the trap of loving money. Hebrews 13 says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Now, by the way, just, just FYI, money in itself is not evil, okay? It's not bad to have a lot of money. Congratulations if you're rich, okay? <laughs> like, I don't want you to feel like, like there's some sort of negativity uh, around that. No, 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 it's the love of money. It's the love of money that, that is the root of, of the issue here. It says, but, but uh, live lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Because God has said this, be content. Why? Because God will never leave you nor forsake you. So Hebrew says our contentment is found in having God, not stuff, right? So today, if maybe some of your, secu your security is shaken, uh, maybe it's because you're finding more contentment in what you have versus who you have. And let's make an adjustment today. Let's, let's, let's even out the scale a little bit in your life of how much are you leaning into your security in regards to your finances. Now I'm right there with you. I want AC, okay? I want food. I want my kids to go to a good school. I want all of those things, but like in comparison to what? Like if all of that was taken away, what would I have? Hebrews says, remember that you still have Jesus. And that's actually where your contentment should lie. Amen? The second wave against Job is in verses 18 and 19. And this happens back to back the same day. And to me, this is the most devastating part of the story. A servant runs up and tells Job that all 10 of his kids have died at the same time. They were in a party and it, something like a tornado or something came and knocked down the house and killed all of his kids, all 10 of them. Again, I think this is obviously the most devastating moment because I can't think of a, of a worse case scenario than losing a child, let alone 10. And I know that in this room today, watching online, I know a lot of you have, you've walked through this pain. Some of you I know closely and you've walked through the loss of a loved one even this year, so many of you have lost someone that you've, you're close to, whether it be from, from previous you know, diseases or sicknesses or whether some of you I know from COVID alone has, has taken out some family members. And, and this is a devastating year that we've lived through in regards to realizing the, just the, the thin ice that we skate on called life. That, that at any moment, in a couple of weeks, someone that we love could be taken from us. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but for, for me, I have, you know, my parents are in their upper 60s. And through this year, it's something that I've had to think about. I haven't had to experience, but, but running these scenarios through your mind of what if, what if, and some of you, that what if has become a reality. And we can look at Job and we can see the what if, the, the, the worst case scenario happens to him. And, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. There's not a lot of easy, there's not a lot of words to ease that pain. There's really not anything that you can say to take away that, that loss. And that's why many times it's better to say less than more. But I can tell you this, we were not created to endure death ourselves, us walk through death. And we weren't created to endure the loss of loved ones. We like, it's foreign to us. I was talking to a young person a few weeks ago and they lost a friend of theirs uh, tragically. And, and they said, you know, my heart just hurts. And I, I said, man, you know, it's because we just weren't created for this. 
We weren't created to endure this. This isn't, we weren't designed to experience this in any way, shape or form. And it, it, it never loses its impact in our life. And for Job, we can see this impact to, I think just the max level, all 10 of his children. The pain may never fully leave. And we're gonna to talk towards the end of this about maybe some next steps. But, but honestly, the pain of a loss of a loved one, I don't think it ever goes away, right? But it's something that we must endure in this life. But I can tell you this, is that the enemy does want to keep you hemmed in and, and stationary in that grief stationary in that loss and steal the rest of your life that you have left on this earth. He does want to do that. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, seeking someone to destroy. And sometimes it might not be directly against us, but it might be indirectly to someone around us. So many of you are walking through this pain. Some of you, maybe when it comes to your family, you're asking the question, what happened to my family? Like Job did. And it, it might not be in regards to someone passing away, but it might be relationally. For some of you, your family was so close. Like, like you were like un- inseparable. And then something's happened. Some things, some things have taken place and now you don't have that connection. And, and it leaves you looking back, maybe around the holidays and you're like, man, what happened? Like, where did, where did the deviation take place? How did we get where we are right now? For some, it, it might be like whenever you decided to follow Jesus. As long as you live in crazy, everybody loves you. Your family's good. But then you choose to follow Jesus and all of a sudden you get ostracized. You're not invited to the Christmas Eve party anymore. You know what I'm talking about? And, and it hurts. It hurts. And so... Like, like Job, he might have lost his family in, in, in this worst case scenario, but some of you, you can kind of see yourself in this story where it's like, man, my, maybe it is your kids. You raised them, you love them, but now in their adult life, you're not, really, you're not really in their top 10, right? You're not in their favorites list. It's devastating. It's hard. And so we walk through loss in different ways, but it still it causes us to ask the question, what happened? Now, in Job chapter one, verse 22, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a verse that I think is so impactful to me personally, because I don't know if I could be like this. It says, in all this, in all this loss, and all the things that Job has lost in this day, he did not sin or charge God with wrong. He's sitting there having lost all of his possessions, having lost all of his children, and he does not charge God with wrong. But I wanna add a little caveat. He did not charge God with wrong yet. Because look guys, life is like a waterfall. Just like wave after wave, you know? If you go to the beach, I love the beach. And whenever you go in the water, you know, and, and say it's a day, you got some big waves. Like, like you get hit with that first wave. Like I love to just like sit down in the water and just let it just take me wherever it wants, right? And uh, when you sit in there, it's, it's like you get hit with one wave and it's fun. And then you get hit with another wave and you can't breathe. You know what I'm talking about? And you're just like trying to gasp for, because, and then all of a sudden there's another one that's coming. And I don't know if you've ever been in strong waves, but at some point there's a thought of like, I gotta get out of here. If I, if I don't get out of here, like I don't, I'm not gonna be able to breathe. And I think life is like that. For some of you, you've walked through some very difficult times and yet your faith in God has remained. But some of you, you're looking back and you're like, yeah, I remember I walked through those two trials and and it was tough, but I was okay. But it was the third one. It was the fourth one. And that's whenever I started asking some hard questions. And life does that wave after wave onslaught in our life and and it begins to test certain parts of us. And this is where we see the third wave against Job in chapter two, verses one through eight. Same scenario, Satan is talking with God and God says, basically, you you tried to take take Job out, right? You, You tried, but 
verse uh, three, he still holds fast his integrity. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, all that a man has, he would give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he's in your hand. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Same scenario. Satan takes a step further. God says, okay, we don't know what timeline this is right here. How far from day one? We're not really quite sure, but, but God opens up another <clears throat> area of Job's life and Satan attacks his body. I think it opens up an, an, another question here that Job is asking is what happened to my health? What happened to my health? I think about Job physically, the torment that he was going through, but also in regards to his emotional health, his spiritual health, he was depleted in every part of his life. Some of you, you live with chronic pain. Every day, my wife has had migraines from time to time, nothing chronic, not, not daily or anything, but, but in those moments, you know, watching her suffer through those, those migraines, I can only think about those of you that I, I know who, who suffer daily, weekly with migraines and that type of chronic pain that begins to wear on you. Others of you, you've walked through, maybe you've had family members who have walked through pain. I know I watched my father-in-law suffer for years through some heart conditions and different things. And there's something that is debilitating and, and um, uh, really zaps you of not just your physical strength, but of your emotional strength when it comes to physical health issues. And many of you, you've walked through this for many years. And, and I think for some of you, you might look back and you're, you remember whenever you were healthy, right? You remember whenever you were strong. And, and over time, like a waterfall, it begins to grate on you, begins to work against you. Some of you, you believe that, man, as a Christian, I should have this, this type of health where things can't touch me. But at the same time, that's not really what the Bible talks about. We will endure and, and, and have to deal with physical pain and suffering and emotional pain and suffering. It's a part of life. Some of you, you were so strong mentally and life has just dealt you one blow after another and now you can barely make a decision. You can barely make a decision. You, you have no confidence. What happened to, what happened to that, that confident person I used to be? Life has a way of just breaking us down and Job is experiencing this. But not just Job, we see his wife is also experiencing the pain. We're talking a lot about Job, but guess what? She lost her 10 kids as well. She lost her lifestyle. She lost all of these things. And now she sees her husband in, in torment and in suffering and she can't really take it anymore. And we see how she responds here in verse nine. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Like Job, look around you. Curse God and die. I see an element of this in a lot of people in the last few months and, and in the last couple of years with some people. It's, it's like, if God is so good, then why? Right? And for a lot of Christians, a lot of people, the last, the last few months, especially as they look across the whole world, it's like, where is God at and it's a real question. All of us at some point have, in, have, have had to ask this question. Where is God? Why would he allow these things to take place? I think it's the toughest theological question to answer. Why does God allow pain and suffering? And for many people, they can't make the jump over that hurdle. They can't do it. Because we are in this timeline, we're at this perspective and it's so hard for us to see above it. And so when things are good, it's easy for us to sort of gloss over the pain and the suffering of someone else. But whenever it hits our front doorstep, it's a different scenario. Job's wife, it's hitting the fan for her. 
what happened? She says, just curse God and die. And Job said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and, and shall we not receive evil? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. However, I think there might've been some shaking going down in Job's heart. He didn't say it, but there was something beginning to happen in Job's heart. Some questions that were beginning to be asked. And this is where we see the fourth wave against Job happen in chapter two, verses 11 and 13. We see Job's buddies come to him, his friends come. And, and honestly, it starts out really positive. Is Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and his friends were, were really good. I, I, would, I would encourage you not to name your children any of those names, but that's, that's what their names were. And the Bible says that they come to Job and they can see that he's grieving. They can see that he's in pain. And the Bible says that they just went and they sat with him for seven days and seven nights and they didn't say one word. They were just with him. I don't know about you, but I wanna be this type of friend. And, and I also want to have that type of friend. That like when everything hits the fan, they come and they sit with you and they provide and they're just there to help you bear the weight of the moment. We wanna be like that. We wanna be that type of friend. In this church, we wanna be that type of friend one with another as the body of Christ. Sometimes you can't say the right thing. There's nothing to say, but you could be in the right place. You could be by their side. You can show up. You can send a text, right? I wanna encourage you to be that type of friend, to be that type of person. And they did that, they were good friends. Um, but after this, if you know the story, for like the next 30 chapters, they get into this debate with Job about why he, like what he must have done to deserve it. And, and a lot of you, I think you think this way, if something bad happens to somebody, they probably did something to deserve it. And if they have a lot of good things happen to them, then they probably deserve that because they've been doing good things. And, and can we just go ahead and, and like, like just destroy that type of thought process? Because what it leads to is some very unhealthy theological views of God as well. And we see that play out in this book of Job. With these people, they say, well, well Job, you must've done something bad because you lost all, your, all the stuff you worked for. You must've done something bad because you lost your children. You must be doing something bad. There must be some hidden sin because you're sick. And Job's like racking his brain. He's like, I'm, I, I, I'm, I haven't. But in their, their theological, theological view of God, their understanding of God, they, that's how they saw gods in this time. And so they said, well, you must deserve it. And I think sometimes people do that. I think sometimes maybe we do that to ourselves. You know what? I deserve this. They, 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 it hasn't happened to them because they, they're just a better person than I am. And this is a lie that permeates our hearts and our lives, guys. And it's just not true. It's not true. But here they are, friends that you wanna have and friends that you wanna be like. And, and, and then they turn into the friends that you don't want. Like, well, maybe you did deserve it. What? <laughs> Come on, man. I'm telling you, I, I didn't do anything. So we don't wanna be like that. But I can tell you, it leaves Job asking this last question. What happened to my friends? For some of you, this is actually one of the biggest things that you're afraid of. Maybe you've had worst case scenario happen to your finances, your friend, your, your family. You've had it happen, maybe to your body, you've endured things and, and, and you've kind of overcome the fear of those things. But the one thing that you are afraid of most is being lonely, being alone. Having those, I mean, your mom, your dad, your brother, they all turn their back on you. You're like, but it's all right, I got my buddies. I got my friends. And this right here, you're like, I had, I, had, I had some friends years ago who they walked through a lot of tough times and, and a lot of it was brought on because of really bad decisions they made, all right? We reap what we sow. And so there, there were some things in regards to financial decisions and whatnot that they made. And so they were kind of in that place making bad decisions. But the one thing that, that really scared them was not having any friends. Like, you know, I don't care about any of this, but man, I've always got my people. 
and Job had his people and then he didn't have his people. What happened to my friends? What happened to those around me? Again, maybe some of you, you had some really tight guys or girls that you hung out with and it was good. And then, and then you chose to decide, you decided to follow Jesus. Like I said earlier about the family, it happens with friends all the time. All of a sudden you, you don't wanna do the same things that everybody was doing. Like you're not, eh, I'm not, I'm not gonna go that far, brother. Like, ugh, I'm gonna kind of back out. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of changing my ways, man. And all of a sudden, again, you don't get the text message on Friday night. And you know what? That's tough. That's tough. And, and so this, this loneliness begins to set in. You know, I've seen a lot of people turn away from God in order to turn back to their friends. It happens a lot. And it's a real fight. And it's something that we don't want to experience and it might seem, what happened to my friends might seem a little bit less intense, obviously, than the other things that we've talked about. But for some of you, you haven't had all of these major things happen, but you have had this happen. And whenever our relationships are attacked, it really, it can damage us. What happens if I end up alone? Now, when the what happened moments happen, when the what happened moments happen to us, one thing that I can say is that we will all respond. We're gonna respond in some way, shape or form. And if any of you have walked through these things that we've talked about today, you responded. Maybe some of you are proud about how you responded, but maybe some of you are like, man, I could have responded a little bit better in that time. But we are all gonna respond and some respond properly or improperly, but we're gonna respond. Some people get very, very bitter. They get bitter against God. They get bitter against people. Some want revenge like, I'm gonna get even with you. You, 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 you know, that, that deal that you had worked out, somebody else turned their back and it went bad and now you're, you're, you're on the hook for it. Now I'm gonna get even with you and the next thing that happens, the next chance I get. Maybe somebody hurts somebody in your family. Maybe there's abuse or something that took place. And you know what? That, that, that person didn't deserve it. And now you wanna get that person, you want, you wanna, you know, you want them to feel pain. So you've got this bitterness and this, this revenge pumping through you. For some of you, you're the one that caused the pain. And so you are dealing with a ton of condemnation. You blame yourself. And you've been chained to this shame. You've been chained to it for so long, far before 2020. You've been asking, why did I do that? Why did I make that decision? If I wouldn't have done this in, in 2005, maybe in 2020, I wouldn't have you know, reaped that. Maybe it would have been different, but that is your story and that's what's happening in your life. Some people hide. They hide in their work. They hide in things to numb their pain. Alcoholism is, just blew up this year. Why? I'm at home. I got to deal with my reality. Things around me are tough. I'm just gonna drink, drugs, sex. It's just, everything's blown up this year. Why? Because we have nothing else to turn to. So a lot of people are turning back to the things that they know. But how are we supposed to properly respond to the what happened moments? Now, what I didn't wanna do today as we close, I didn't wanna give you some hey, here's three steps to just answer the question, what happened, right? Because the things that we talked about, again, there is not an easy answer. Some of you are like, man, I really wish that you would answer the why questions for me real quick. I can tell you this, that there's not an answer that I can give you right now that will suffice long-term as you begin to bang your head up against the wall of the situations in life that you're gonna go through. Not everything has an intellectual answer. There's some good thought processes and there's some things that we can talk through. But there's some things that, that sometimes we, we need to talk about even though there might not be a wonderful answer that we can put on the board for you, right? But what do we do? How do we properly respond to the what happens moments? Number one, we need to be honest. We need to be honest. Be honest about the crises that you're walking through. Be honest about the reality that you're in. Some of you are walking through grief and it might be something that happened many years ago and you've never properly walked through the process of mourning and grieving the loss that you've had to endure. You've, you've never really been honest about it. Every time that those emotions well up inside of you, you put it under the rug. You just sweep it away. 
Like, I'm just, I'm just not gonna, I don't wanna talk about it. I don't wanna think about it. I'm just gonna replace that with something else. And, and I'm not trying to be insensitive and, and there's a process and I'm not putting a timeline on it at all. But, but I'm, I'm just saying like, have you been honest about how you feel about that loss? Who are you talking to? Who are you processing through this with? Who's sitting with you for seven days and seven nights, not saying a word? Who, who? You have to be honest. Job wasn't okay with the things that took place in his life. He, he really wasn't. He processed, man, you'll see him walk through anger and pain. He even laments the day that he was born. He's like, I wish that I was never born because none of this would be happening. He felt hopeless. He felt the Lord had done it to him. You can go read the book and you can, you can see these moments all play out. And even though those weren't all true statements, that is how he felt, but he didn't just internalize those emotions. If you internalize that, it will rot you from the inside out. I'm telling you. And so with as much love as I can, can bring in this moment is, is please be honest about where you're at and reach out to someone. Maybe it's your small group leader that you've been in a relationship with. Maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a counselor, but there, there, there has to be a process, a processing. Number two, be honest and then be steadfast. Job was steadfast. Job 13, 15, Job said, though he slay me, I will hope in him talking about God. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. You see the tension there, right? It's like, he could kill me and my hope is still gonna be in him. However, at the same time, I do have some questions. There's some tension, but yet I'm going to trust in God. I wanna encourage you, if you're walking through things, if you've walked through things just in the past year or whether it's been a decade, be steadfast. James 5 says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This right here, you've seen the steadfastness of Job. Yes, but what are you talking about when you talk about the purpose and the mercy and the compassion of God in that story? Well, I wanna let you know something. We've only talked about chapters one and two. The story is not over. And this is what I wanna encourage you with today. Be steadfast in the tough times because your heart is still beating. Your story is not over. I'm telling you, God is still working in the pain. He's working in the process of your life to produce something in you that you could not have produced without walking through that pain. And I know that that's hard to swallow. I, I, but it is the biblical perspective. I know some of you, you've had parents and family and, and maybe yourself or your kids have walked through physical diseases and pain and, and it was so tough and you're literally on your knees crying and weeping before God. And now here we are a couple of years later and things have worked out and now you're, you're looking back, hindsight's 2020, right? And so, so what was the purpose? Well, the purpose now is to give God glory now on this side of the Red Sea, right? Where you saw the waters part in order for God to get the glory in somebody else's life because there's somebody else walking through the same pain that you just went through. At the very least, that's one perspective that we can have whenever we walk through things as we're being steadfast is that God, I'm gonna continue to hope in you even if I don't understand it, because God, I know that you wanna use me for your glory. And if it means me walking through pain, then so be it. What a commitment to God. Be steadfast. The last thing is this, is to worship. Now, this might sound like the easiest thing to do, to worship, right? To, to, to live your life of worship before God, but honestly, I think that this might be one of the hardest things to do. Because whenever you are depleted, whenever you are walking through immense pain in your life, whenever everything around you has shaken, for some, they fall at the feet of Jesus and they trust in him. For others, 
They begin to ask the question, why? They begin to get caught up in their mind and their thoughts and they begin to try to figure it out and they can't. And so therefore they're like withholding their worship, withholding their, their trust in God until they have an answer and then they'll, they'll worship. And that's not what we're called to do. And that's not what we see Job do. I wanna end going back to chapter one, verse 20. Job has just lost everything that he owns and he's lost his kids. And it says that Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. He tore his robe. He was distressed. He was hopeless. He was, he was undone. He's going into grief. He's wailing, but he worshiped. This is what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And today as we close, I wonder if no matter what we faced in 2020, no matter what we faced in 2000 and 1980, whatever 2020 you've walked through and you're asking the question, what happened and why? I wonder if today as believers, if we can, we might have to tear our robe. We might, we might shave our head, not physically, but, but emotionally, spiritually, we, we might be in torment. But I think it's important that we, in the face of that pain, worship our God. Because you have to remember that God is faithful and he is good and he is just and he is all knowing and all loving and all powerful. Come on, what do you believe about God, right? All the things that we talked about, that same God is, is right there in the moment with you and he's not gonna leave you and he's not gonna forsake you. His grace will be sufficient for you, but we turn to him, amen? I wanna pray for you. God, we need you right now. Lord, we need your perspective. God, we need your help. For each and every one of us in this room today, God, we all have a, a what happened moment. And God, it might be from this past year. It might be from a few years ago. It might be, we might be walking through it right now. But God, I'm asking that for each and every one of us in this room, watch it online. God, I'm asking that you right now would bring perspective. That God, right now, you would bring healing, that you'd bring faith to each and every situation. God, that you would illuminate the things that need to be illuminated. God, to provide a base, to provide a strong foundation for us. God, we believe in you. But God, would you teach us to trust in you? For some of you in this place today, maybe watching online, you're not a follower of Jesus you're kind of on the fence of whether you wanna make that decision to truly call yourself a Christian and, and believe in Jesus. And, and I wanna pray with you right now. One thing you need to know and be reminded of is that God sent his son, Jesus, to this earth to die on the cross for your sin, to release you from the penalty of sin, which is death, and to give you a hope and a future found only in Christ. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And he's here today. We believe that he's here today. He's here, he's for you. He loves you. He knows your pain. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. And yet he still loves you. Even while you were dead in sin, Christ gave his life for you. So I wanna pray with you right now. You can repeat after me. You say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you all that I am. I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. God, take the shame away. God, use my life for your glory. I give you all that I am today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Can we stand to our feet? One thing I know is that God is dealing with each and every one of us. We're coming from a lot of different angles. For some of you, I believe that you just gave your heart to Christ. For some of you, you just recommitted your heart to Christ. You did. For others of you, you've been serving Jesus for a long time. But I can tell you this, no matter how long you've been serving God or how short you've been serving God, each and every one of us, we've endured pain, we've endured things, we've endured those moments that have, have left us kind of not having words. 
And sometimes there's not much to say other than just to worship Jesus, to find our hope in Him, to put our faith in Him. And so we wanna give some time here at the end of the service. We're gonna sing a couple of songs and we're gonna worship Jesus. And I wanna encourage you, if, if, if something that we said today, you've really been dealing with in a, in a really immense way, it's been really, really tough. I wanna encourage you to, to go before God just alone and to pray and to ask God to, to reveal Himself to you. And also, I, I know in a second, uh, Jessica's gonna come up and let you know this as well, but I, I wanna let you know at the end of the service, we're gonna have some people at the front of the room who would love to pray with you. And I believe for some of you, you might need to have an individual time with God, but I think you also might need to have some time with someone else to pray with you through these, these moments, these what happened moments. So I wanna pray right now and then we're gonna worship Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. And God, as we worship you, Father, I pray that you give us proper perspective to see your goodness, to see your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Goodness. 